is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Kane, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Let's rock! Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Christian Motzka. And are we doing, are... Christian? Hey, I'm doing wonderfully, because we have a very special guest. We are interviewing author T.R. Knapper, whose new book, Aliens Bishop, is coming out very soon from Titan Publishing. So welcome to the show, Mr. Napper. Welcome to the show. G'day, and thank you for uh, having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so the world, the extended universe of Blade, uh, of Blade Runner, of, that's what we were talking about before the show started, <laughs> of Alien, there are a lot of, uh, there, there are a lot of books and a, a oh, lot God. of amazing work. And so yeah. you are new on our show. And typically what we like to do with uh, new guests on our show is we want to kind of pick their brain a little bit and find out what there's a, their first experience with the alien series was what that first film was and uh, maybe some kind of great moments as we kind of move into discussion on your new book coming out. Um, I got into aliens in a kind of strange way. I was too young to when aliens came out, I was too young to see it. I was still in primary school, but um. I had an uncle who was a science fiction nut and he came in one Christmas, I think it was, and he would not stop talking about aliens. And I kept, and he was describing the Marines and the smart guns and them getting slaughtered. And I was kind of became obsessed and I, and so I wasn't allowed to see the film. So every time I saw my uncle, I'd ask him to tell me about this movie. Eventually my parents let me get the tie-in novel. Uh, So my introduction to the aliens universe was the tie novel by I guess Alan Dean Foster and <laughs> the only thing I remember from the novel is there's a part in there that's not in the movie or was cut in the movie where Ripley's running along and she, and Burke's cocooned um and she I think she gives him a grenade and leaves and I think he blows himself up um so it it's um that my introduction was a tie novel um and then, of course, I saw Aliens. So that was the first film I saw. Blown away. Loved it. Uh, best, one of the best science fiction action films of all time. Uh, and then I saw Alien next. Uh, and again, one of the best science fiction horror films of all time. You know, it's up there with The Thing as one of the greatest. Uh, and then after that, after that kind of, I suppose, after that introduction, I, I, I suppose I went in a more standard way. I watched the movies in order. I was heartbroken by the start of Alien 3, like most people, and have mixed feelings, I suppose, about some good and some not so good about the rest of the franchise. But, yeah, my introduction was the novel, and and if the question is 
what am I? So the question is, what are some of my favorite moments from the Alien Saga? Or is that the um... or or how about this? How about this way? As a, a child or a, a young person, and you're seeing aliens for the first time, what's impressing you? What's sticking out? I mean, obviously, there's so much. There's the action. There's the characters. There's the setting. There's the ships. There's obviously the creatures. What's what's really um, making an impression with you? That's sticking with you. Oh, look! When I'm a kid, it's the big guns, man. It's the uh, it's the APC Ripley driving it into the hive. Uh, it um, uh, Hudson and all these great one-liners. It's um, aliens in the roof. Uh, it's Burke being a slimy piece of shit. It's oh, a stunning. If you think about it, that is such a stunning ensemble cast. Like every character is distinct. Uh, whether you're a super a mega fan or not, every whether it's the main cast, so you have Ripley, Hicks, um, but then Bishop, then Burke, but then Apone, then Hudson, and Vasquez. Like you don't the the writing and the acting is so pristine in that movie to have this ensemble cast that is yet so vivid and stays vivid in your mind decades later. What struck me, I have to say, because, um, of course, I went back and watched the films again and I did tons of research for this book, but what struck me about Aliens is they don't show a xenomorph for like an hour, you know. I love that. I love trusting yourself and trusting the audience to ramp up the tension, set the scene, build character, and then tear it all apart. I think that takes you see that less and less today. I think that takes courage as a writer and as a filmmaker to 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 have an aliens film that you don't show aliens in for like the first half. That's pretty cool. Not bad for a human. I just recently rewatched Predator and I was struck by the fact that they show the creature 15 minutes into the film. There was no it's 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 hidden. It's got its um invisibility whatever on, but they very much give you, there's going to be this big, this big predator, this alien is in this movie. Don't worry. And it, it felt more like trying to reassure the audience of what they were in, they were going to get. Mm. That was just, that was one year after aliens. James Cameron was so much more. And perhaps because it was because a sequel gives you the, the flexibility to assume the audience yeah. re remembers from the first film, but no, as an action film to wait that long and to keep ramping up the tension, it really is so, quite something. I love that, and I liked, and I don't want to give any spoilers away for the book, but I did have that in mind when I was writing. I did have in mind you have to engage the reader immediately, but you also have to respect the audience at the same time, and you don't have to just shove it in their face from the first page. As you could probably imagine that my my answer is, but my favourite film is Aliens of the, of the, whole, of the whole franchise. Um, it's, I'm sure that's a very common answer on your show. But uh, that is, the, the, but the first two films really are masterclasses in in filmmaking and masterworks of science fiction. It's such a what a what a start to a franchise. I may be synthetic, but I'm not stupid. You having said that, I can see it in the book how there are obstacles. Let's say that the characters need to overcome, but they aren't alien obstacles at first. There are other things that have to be dealt with. And it's it's nice. It gives the world uh, more depth and 
you know, there's going to be aliens. It's called Aliens Bishop. But as you said, it doesn't have to be from page one. The Aliens universe is so rich, so sprawling now. I was, I thought I was a fan uh, when I got the gig. I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know the universe. And then you look in the novels and the RPG and the video games, uh, the comics, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's, you can't, maybe you, you, on the podcast, maybe you guys know, can get your minds around it. But it is phenomenal, the amount of effort, the amount of world building, the different cultures, the different factions, the different empires, um, all within this universe. And you can't. From my perspective, you you've got to you can't ignore that. You, yes, you're going to have aliens, but you can't ignore the 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 rumblings of empire. You can't ignore the vying the vying between these different powers for control. Um, I think that's a fascinating part of the universe. Well, I feel it felt like you really took that and ran with it in a wonderful way. We often see Whaling Yutani or another corporation wants the alien, wants to weaponize it, has a research lab, whatever. And then there's there's never much follow through on where that would go. You know, who's going to buy this? What's what's going on? And so I was so happy to see you take a little bit of existing lore and really expand it. And you didn't feel the need to to involve every single thing that's out there. I thought it was very, very precise. And so I'm just curious, you you just mentioned, you know, there's sure there's comics and novels and the, and the role-playing game. Were you researching on your own or did Titan provide materials for you? How does that work? We'll go back a bit. So I got the gig and there was an idea that this was going to be, they give you a sort of a brief uh, and that there was a, there was a very vague not vague, but there was a suggestion that, hey, maybe this should end after, maybe this book should start after Into Charybdis. And so they, I read uh, a whole bunch of titles. I read Colony Wars, The Cold Forge, uh, Into Charybdis. I got Bug Hunt because it has that a, a Bishop short story in it. Uh, and there's there's not much on Bishop in the universe. So they sent me a lot of stuff. And they send you these kind of universe Bibles, if you will, that have the timeline, that have every major event. Um, if you have a careful eye, you can see that there's stuff that they put in there that's coming. So events that haven't happened yet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so so they send you uh, these almost encyclopedias of aliens, and I use them. And there's Clara. I know she's a friend of the podcast, but for your listeners, she's the kind of the l- global law aliens expert used by Titan Publishing. So you can go and talk to her and say, can I do this? Does this technology exist? Um, if it doesn't exist, can I put this technology in and will it ruin will will it ruin somehow will it break the rules of the aliens universe? So I did all that and said, but then on top of that, on top of what the 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 publisher gave me and on top of being able to talk to Clara every now and again, um, I spent a lot of time on YouTube uh, on uh, Alien Theory. I guess you 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 know them, those guys, and the Australian version of that, which is Project Acheron. Um, and they have hundreds of hours of, and some of it's into really obscure lore. And so as I think it's okay for me to say, I am going to be wary about spoilers because the the book's not out yet when you're when your listeners are listening to this. But I think it's fair to say that I needed to learn more about China 
in this universe. I needed to know if there was anything about Vietnam in this universe. And I needed to know a bit about more uh, Australia and the Australia Wars. They're sort of footnotes um, for the most part at the moment. There's going to be, maybe that's going to be different after this book's out. But Alien Theory and Project Acheron do videos on all those things. Oh, and of course, I had to do, I had to dive really deep into synthetics. Oh, and I've got the, your viewers can't see it, but I've got the Alien Colonial Marines Technical Manual. This is so well-thumbed and well-read. That's kind of contemporaneous for when Bishop takes place. So I had to really make sure all the tech was precisely right, but I also had to source um, all the UPP tech as well and look at all the different types of tech that's outside of what the United Americans have. So in answer to your question, I did an enormous amount of research, but I felt like I was only just scratching the surface at the same time, you know. You really had to be selective. You really had to pick a time period and understand the geopolitics and the the the, the interspace politics, if you will, of that time period, where all the where Michael Bishop is, where Bishop is, obviously, and, and just dive in deep there. How are you feeling? My legs hurt. I'm sorry. It's okay. Just a glorified toaster. How are you? Oh, I like your new haircut. Bishop, can you access data on the flight recorder? No problem. We back up a little bit. Big picture. Why Bishop? Uh, that was the brief. So let me go back. I, so my agent was submitting a novella that I'd written. So for you, for your listeners, I'm a cyberpunk writer. I write a very dark, sometimes very violent science, uh, cyberpunk science fiction. Uh, my debut, 36 Streets, for example, came out last year. Critically, was was very well received, and I pitched that book as um, I pitched that as Ghost in the Shell meets Apocalypse Now. That was the the pitch for the novel. That's relevant because when my agent was trying to sell this novella, again a cyberpunk novella, he he went to Titan US. And they said, no, we're not after novellas right now. But the novella was about artificial intelligence. And so the, the publisher, the acquiring editor said, oh, wait a minute. I've heard about 36 Streets. The author's into artificial intelligence. We've been planning a Bishop novel. Does he like aliens? So that was the starting point. I love aliens, but I have to say I was sceptical at first because I'm a, for a science fiction writer, are you two... Jamie or Christian, are you guys writers? Christian's Jamie's a writer too, for sure, though. Yeah, okay. in a different way. <laughs> I don't know about you two, but I'm relatively slow. It takes me a few years to write a book. It took me, my debut took me maybe three years. When you do a tie novel, you get four and a half, five months, right? So the first, the question for me was, holy shit, can I write something that I'll be proud of in five months? So I was a hesitant for that reason. My writer friend slapped me around the head and said, shut the fuck up and just write it. It's an aliens book, man. What are you thinking? But initially I was just worried about that dimension. But so the Bishop character came from the publisher in answer to your question. Uh, they, I, I don't, they've done Vasquez. They're, they're doing Bishop. I don't know if they've got more planned. When they came to me, they said, we want you to write about Michael Bishop and Bishop. We want you to explore what it means to be human. Bishops struggle with identity. All those really, they said, they came to me and said, we want a Bishop novel that kind of explores some of the classic tropes and questions of science fiction. Uh, so that was the brief, if you will. That was what I had to write. I was glad 
because it's kind of the only, except for, I guess, a cloned Ripley, it's the only surviving character from Hadley's Hope. So the opportunity to give, and I, I like many people, I was unhappy or disappointed with the fate of uh, Hicks and, and Newton and, and, and Bishop, but this was an opportunity to give Bishop a third act, you know, and I, you know, once I decided, once I said yes, I just took it with both hands and uh, grabbed the opportunity with both hands and went for it. But again, the as writers, you'll know this, like sometimes when you're writing, it doesn't ever feel like it will see, see the light of day. Often it feels like you're just writing stories and you shoot them out into the void and no one will ever read them. And when you've had enough rejections, even when you get a gig like Bishop, it didn't really click that I was doing it. It was I was kind of after the draft was done, and maybe even when characters uh, when uh, other writers would, I was talking to other writers and they were so excited, they're like, "Holy shit! You wrote Bishop! You created law in the Aliens universe!" I'm like, "Oh wait, you're right. I did." Yeah, the Bishop brief came from them. Nearly everything else, though. Uh, and of course, the, the, I had to do talk about the relationship between Michael Bishop and Bishop, but nearly everything else was I was kind of given free reign. Ripley, Bishop, I'm here to help you. No more bullshit. I just felt it move. You know who I am. You're a droid, same model as Bishop, sent by the fucking company. No, I'm not the Bishop android. I designed it. I'm very human. So I just started reading 36 Streets today. And oh, cool. my goodness, I wish that I had uh, realized I could access it and, and read it sooner because having finished Bishop, I feel like I'm reading a prequel set on Earth. There, there's, <laughs> I, I have always felt like the alien universe is a, a pretty cyberpunk place. And mm. I'm, I'm desperate for someone to write a book set on Earth in, in mm. you know, 2179. Give me a taste of that. And so reading your book, first of all, it's bringing me back to my, you know, I love William Gibson. I love Neil Stevenson, all these authors that did these wonderful things with cyberpunk. And I think that's a very, very um, fertile place to, to play and, and have ideas. But I can see even just a few chapters into 36 Streets, um, where your ideas might might have come from that influenced Bishop. Because as you're saying, you were told to do Bishop and Michael Bishop, but it's the other characters. Um, I believe her name is mm. Jian, Jian Wen? Xuan Nguyen, yeah. Xuan Nguyen, okay. Yeah. Hands down, my favorite character in the book. And I, oh, cool, good, good. I want to go further into her backstory. So yeah. in my mind, you know, as, as I'm reading your, your first book, I'm putting her there. I'm, I'm imagining this this place and and these things that are happening. So, um, now I, I've got to show you. This is this is not good podcasting. So I'm I'm going to hold up. This is my Michael Bishop trading card from 1992, which on the back says Michael Bishop, occupation synthetic components engineer, who made the Bishop model 31 341B, and I've had this since 1992, and I've been waiting patiently for for 20th century to create a, a cohesive lore that would even bring a, a, a trading card into continuity. And so in mm. your book, when, when all three of those things get hit, I'm like, yes, yes. I'm, I'm excited mm. about this. Oh. It's only really been in the last couple of years. And I think spearheaded by the role-playing game that they have been taking 
the UPP from William Gibson's script and um, all the, the lore from the technical manual and making it actually work together. And so now for you to come in and write a novel that takes those little uh, tidbits, the, the the terrible situation in Australia that's hinted at in a comic book or something, and write a book that ties them together just makes me really happy. I think that the the books have to have aliens because that's that's what the title brings, but I'm always more interested in the world and where these characters are coming from and how they interact with each other. Oh, absolutely. A part of me part of me is fascinated about uh, it'll never happen, but the idea of writing a novel of of say an uprising in the Australia wars on one of the outlying colonies and just doing like a, a military science fiction novel insurgency. That really appeals to me. That would be really cool. But of course, you've, you've got to have the, the xenomorph at some point. You, so you said a lot. In one thing, one one thing you um, reminded me of is in you in saying that Thirty Six Streets feels a bit like what Earth would be like. Is a very interesting comment because I was listening to the Ridley Scott commentary on Blade Runner a, a couple of weeks ago, and at one point in that commentary, he says he imagined the crew of the Nostromo returning to Earth. And that Earth would be Blade Runner, uh, Los Angeles, twenty nineteen. So he said that's how he imagined when their when th- their shift is finished and they come back after a few months. That's where they land. And I like that. And I think Aliens. I don't know if it's quite cyberpunk, but it has a lot of cyberpunk elements. The Aliens universe has, especially the first couple of films and the third film. You're not dealing with the elite. You're dealing with the marginalised. You're dealing with the working man and woman, grunts, prisoners. It's very anti-corporate. It's almost anti-capitalist in a way. That's punk. Um, you do have in Aliens, you, you've got your synthetics. You've got your You've got your mother controlling ships bit of cyberpunk there as well so i think there are definitely cyberpunk aspects oh and the darkness the grittiness that you've got some characters that are morally ambiguous um that's all pretty punk you know and in terms of juan juan i'm glad you like her i did too she i love her crew i love her arc um i'm glad i could put her in i don't know you two would know way better than me but i don't know if there's many other Vietnamese characters across the 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 the, the, um, the tie-ins, um, but I'm glad I have one in there. Uh, and I want to see that little piece. Of, you don't. I don't talk about it too much, but I do want to see what's Vietnam doing in this UPP. What's how's those po- internal politics works? What do they think about what's essentially a big dictatorship? A little bit of a window there. On, on their feelings as well. So I do, well, I'm glad you like her. I am, because I did worry about, I suppose, in writing it, I'm like thinking about the readership, how they were going to react to her. You can't, in the end, second guess readers. You just got to trust them. Uh, I know you. there's a temptation to second guess, but I don't think it's bad writing. So I I tried to just make her, yeah, uh, I, I'm glad that she she worked. And as you say, I did try to I, I did try to investigate. As I said, I tried to investigate Vietnam. But f- from as an Australian, you see Australia wars as a footnote. You're like, well, what the fuck's that about? I want to dive into that, and that's fascinating in itself. How Australia's kind of a colony within the three world empire, and we've been managed poorly governed, and now we're all starving, and there's food riots, and then there's this all these Australian colonies rebel. And we're winning, and then 
and I guess this is no spoiler because it's in Colony Wars, but um, two years after the events of Bishop, I think, they nuked Cam, <laughs> uh, uh, where I live, by the way. So the, the United of the... And they get the Marines to do it too. So it's not even the Three World Empire. The Marines go in and nuke my hometown. Again, there's not heaps of stuff about the Australia Wars in Bishop. I think I, that's... I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but some flashbacks there. So you, the, the, the the reader... Yeah, it's a glimpse of this larger universe. In a non-spoilery way, set up this novel for us, for our listeners. So for your listeners, so the the, the inciting incident that I was kind of given um, is Michael Bishop wakes up Bishop. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there already. We first meet Michael Bishop at the end of Alien 3. Who is this guy? Gee, he seems to pretty bloody desperate to get a, a sample, uh, a xenomorph sample, and the despair he shows when Ripley jumps into the into the molten metal. So, and, But we know that he takes Robert Morse and we know he takes the, the remains of Bishop. So the inciting incident is Michael Bishop reactivates Bishop. He wants, I guess this is, I can say this too, he wants something in Bishop's memories. If you look through the the uh, the um, technical manuals, and if you look at the specifications for synthetic memory, it's phenomenal and perfect, and unlike anything that we can kind of I, I, comparison in our technology in our our reality technology, but also just if you think about the implications of the memory of a synthetic, if it can remember everything photographically and every smell and has and synthetics have all these enhanced sensors they require to have them because in order to take care of humans better to be able to sense if there's a dangerous gas or something in the room variations in uh, pressure whatever it might be so they have superhuman sensors and a superhuman memory well actually there might be something very valuable in bishop's head and so the setup is this michael wants something from bishop but he's not the only one there are maybe three different factions that do. But the other, I guess it's okay. I think I, I think this is on the blurb, so I think it's fine to say that. Um, and I'm curious uh, uh, what you, if, for some, your thoughts on this, uh, Jamie and Christian, is I know there's a video game where there's a rescue mission for the Marines at Hadley Hope, but I don't think it's canon. I don't think there's anything about them. You know how it says 17 days later, we have to wait 17 days, and I don't think that's we ever hear about that mission that came 17 days later and so it's fair so there's a marines uh, a platoon of marines uh on a ship called the El, Con El Conde who are going to say what the hell happened and who is anyone left including Bishop I've mentioned that China's involved so maybe they want something to do with it as well <laughs> uh there's three point of view characters I think I I I think I can say that there's the three main point of view characters are a bishop, of course. There's an Australian in the Colonial Marines, Carrie Lee, and there's Xuan Nguyen, who is a Viet on a Vietnamese smuggler ship. Uh, and in terms of minor characters, we have, uh, a, you know, a Chinese commander, a, um, a, a captain Marcel Apone in the Colonial Marines, and we have, of course, Michael Bishop, who's essential. And yeah, all hell breaks loose. The fire was electrical. It was in the subflooring. Did the sensors pick up anything moving around on the ship prior to separation? 
It's very dark here, Ripley. I'm not what I used to be. Just tell me. Does the recorder indicate anything? Was there an alien on board? Yes. Is it on the Sulaco, or did it come with us in the EV? It was with us all the way. The video game was called Aliens, Colonial Marines. Yep. It is not canon. It It's yep. insane the lengths they go. They bring Hicks back. They yep. say that Hicks swapped his body with someone else. And, and, yes. and then we're told that Michael Bishop tortures Hicks for weeks and weeks and weeks. And what? Right. For what? Oh, what? yeah. My, Michael Bishop. Sorry. I thought you meant Bishop. I'm like, no. No, no, I'm no, no. Not, not, not our Bishop. No. But, and, and, and here's where your book. I mean, obviously your book blows that out of the water, but there's nothing that Hicks could have observed that he could then communicate to someone. Whereas there's absolutely something that Bishop as an Android 100% could catalog. And then because you're a good writer, you throw a completely understandable roadblock in of Bishop belongs mm. to the USCM. He's a colonial Marine mm. property. Mm. So, so there's a, there's a reason that we can't just pop his head open, plug mm. his brain into a computer and pull it out. And so mm. we go through this whole, this whole process of trying to get the information out. But what I'm, what I'm praising you for is not only the roadblock, but also the, why, why there uniquely could be something that Bishop would know. And it's, mm. it's an opportunity that everyone else has missed in their, you know, stampede to bring back beloved characters. Bishop comes back for a reason that I can accept as a very skeptical reader and then I was I was hooked on the on the journey. I was curious where we were going to end up. So uh, you're right. You've got to make it credible. I think there are very very good reasons. Given Michael Bishop loses his sample, there are extremely good reasons why he would need Bishop. And again, trying to avoid spoilers, but when you go when you do a deep dive into the synthetic mind, it's extraordinary. Flawed. And maybe that's a design feature. There's a lot of flaws in the synthetic, and I go into that in the book as well. But yeah, it had to be. It had to make sense. I'm with you. I read that stuff about Hicks. I'm like, and I didn't know it wasn't. I it took. I had someone had to explain it wasn't canon. But I'm like, Hicks is alive, and he swapped his. But that doesn't make sense. What? No, but it, for me, it made sense when I, when they said, okay, Michael Bishop re reactivates Bishop. I thought that was credible purely because if he asked to be deactivated, well, biologically he can be reactivated. Then the next is why, and I, you have to build those in. If you have a good why, uh, as you say, Christian, you can you can sus suspend disbelief as a reader. You can go into the story uh, and hopefully um, go on this journey with Bishop and these others. It's a dark universe. There's not necessarily any happy endings in Aliens. I really wanted to give Bishop a proper third act, as I said. He, he gets one or two scenes in Alien 3. Uh, there's so much potential in that character. It's credible that he's still alive. And then we get to explore some really, like I said, some really cool science fictional ideas about identity, memory, belonging, what it means to be human. I kind of lucked into it. But wow, it was a fantastic opportunity. I'm glad I did it. it knew, I tell you what, though, I, I don't know if I'll do it again because you, you got five months. I worked every day, seven days a week for five months. I took Christmas Day off. I have a day job as well, by the way. I, I work in the disability sector. So I, I did that job. I wrote every single day. I took Christmas Day off, and that was the only day I took off for five months <laughs> to finish the Bishop novel because it was important for me to do a good job. 
you know, um, to do justice for the character uh, and add something. And for personal reasons, add some cool stuff about Australia and China and these other places that fans would uh, and readers would embrace. Yeah. Were there any edicts from Titan? I mean, I know that you're talking about a, a kind of a, a an, an in-universe Bible that they give you with a timeline, like this happens here, this happens there. Was there anything that they said, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this? Like, you can't bring Ripley back, not that you would have done that, but um, things <laughs> that they wanted you to stay away from. Yeah, there's two. There's kind of two examples. And the major one, actually, I won out on. Um, and I only because I didn't realize what I was doing. The major one was this. So they said, do a bishop story. It's Michael Bishop and Bishop. Explore these things that the aliens universe tends to explore. Fine. And you 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 know that your readers will know that. You gotta, it's stuff I love. It's like you've got to have a bit of anti-corporate themes there. Yes, please. It's gotta be it's gotta be high octane and dark and gritty. Yes, please. Um, you've got to have some strong female characters fantastic like all the stuff that they ask you to do i'm like i love all of this and of course there's the, the the android stuff but the only thing as i said i kind of accidentally went off script was i thought that they were just it was a guideline if you will a suggestion that i hired into colony war into charybdis this that i thought that was just a suggestion i read all those books and then i looked at the timeline they take, I think into Corinthians is like five years after or four years after the events of Alien 3. Didn't make sense to me. If Michael Bishop wants to get into Bishop's head and is and has that urgency, has that desperation, why does he wait five years? I don't I don't understand. I could have done time dilation or something like this, maybe, but logically for me, it goes aliens, alien three bishop in that fairly few months period yeah and that was the the logical starting point of the story the studio never said this but it was so i want to make that clear and this is my interpretation but the the impression that i got was that alien 3 is canon but fans hate it so maybe don't mention alien 3 maybe that was suggested to me and i thought to myself or along i'm paraphrasing and they can the publisher can deny it i'm sure but along those lines so i thought to myself, Michael Bishop appears at the end of Alien 3. I can't ignore the movie, you know? So I just went with that. I went with where the book takes place just a few weeks, a few weeks after Alien 3. And I sent them the outline, and you have to do this 10-page outline, and the publisher has to approve it, then the studio has to approve it. And they said, it won't take long, we'll approve it, and you can go and write the novel. It took ages. I sent it off and I hadn't heard from him. I'm like, oh, shit. And I talked to someone at the publisher and I'm like, oh, it's, what's what's taking so long? And they and he said, well, you kind of went off script a bit. Um, and I went, did I? And I honestly didn't think I had. So, again, I don't know. Bit of my This is a bit of hearsay on my part. So I don't I never talked to the studio directly. And I just got vibes, I suppose, from the publisher. But I, I suspect there was a discussion about when the story takes place. Anyway, as you will have noted from the blurb and for the advertising, they've doubled down on this, it, it being a sequel to Alien 3. It's everywhere. I didn't write the advertising. I didn't do the blurb. So clearly, I don't know what discussions happened, but they've decided, you know what, stuff it. We're going to do this. And it's just, that's what it is now. So that was one thing that was, uh, I, I accidentally did something they didn't want, but in the end, 
they they've doubled down on it. The only other thing that was that it was actually pretty good. I was a bit worried going in about how restricted it would be in terms of a creative experience, but the only thing that really had to be changed at any point was I did have at one point Bishop discovering something very specific about xenomorph senses. Uh, again, you two will know more about this than me, but in the universe, it's never really explained how xenomorphs sense as in, is it echolocation? Is it pheromone? Is it heat signatures? And I had an idea that was the Bishop discovered something really specific about their senses. Uh, it wasn't major. It was a very kind of a minor plot point, but I thought an important one. But they said the message I got was basically he can't make that discovery because I think the idea being, and I think in retrospect, I understand exactly why. If you nail down how the Xenomorph senses work, it has this ripple effect where they look at every movie and every book ever written and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And they're not using it in this scene and they're not using it in that scene. So that, in retrospect, I get why. Um, but that was kind of minor. Uh, this It was an idea about pheromones. But um, but except for that, like, it's um, quite stressful when you hand the manuscript in because as a writer, normally your work is your work and they can suggest a change, an editor can, but you can say get stuffed, you know, because it's my intellectual property. When you do an alien story, it's got to go to the publisher, the studio, and also Clara has to do a kind of a, a universe fact check. So three people have to approve it. And you hand over the manuscript, you're like, oh, God, am I going to have to rewrite it? You know, I've put my heart and soul into this. Am I going to have to do a complete rewrite? There was nothing, no changes. They said, this is fantastic. Go for it. Not go for it. They said, this is fantastic. Thank you. We'll take it from here. But And I have no idea. Again, you two will have interviewed other authors, so I don't know if that's normal. I don't know what the experience of other authors working in the aliens universe is. But I, in the end, what I wrote was pretty much accepted. That's awesome. And so rare, honestly. Uh, I mean, we've talked, so we've talked to people like Alex White, Clara, Philippa, they've talked about kind of some similar things that you've discussed in terms of the do's and the don'ts. But I I think you probably are the first person to really say, I essentially got a, a thumbs up from the studio and the publisher, which I, I think is really, really awesome. Um, and uh, it's interesting. Of course, there's a movie coming out. So a lot of the questions are, does this tie into the movie at all? Did you have to be careful about that? Um, or was it completely far removed? Because the film, Romulus, is set between, well, I guess it's it's set between Alien and Aliens. So I guess you're okay, because this is, this is much later. But doesn't mean that there won't be ripple effects um, into the universe from things that happen later on. Like, okay, this is happening in this book. So then why in this movie is there blah, 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 or whatever. And even to your point in terms of like, what do they use? Echolocation or pheromones or whatever. They could have eyes. We don't know just because they don't yeah. look like eyes to us. Doesn't mean that that membrane does not incorporate some type of sight, but I do like it being ambiguous. And I think that's important at least from my experience of the alien world. And I tend to be more of a film guy. I've read Into Charybdis. I've read almost all of uh, Inferno's Fall. To that question, did you have to be careful about anything, any choices that you made for your book, Aliens Bishop, for Romulus coming out, for the series, which is in production right now in in Thailand? No. Um, well, I, 
but or more precisely, I don't know because I know I'm sure the studio knows it all, and I feel like if I'd stepped on any toes, they would have said, "Yeah, you maybe should change this. You maybe should change that." But I have been told nothing. The only thing, and it, and it was someone quite senior in the organization said, "This is like these are going to be some rich years for the for." for the Aliens universe, basically. Bishop's coming out at a good time because we've got the series, we've got the movie, uh, and Aliens is going to, in their view, Aliens is going to be, you know, big again. Um, everyone's going to be talking about it again. But other than that, I got, I, I, I suspect you two will know more than me because you'll follow all the rumour mills and so forth. The studio let me keep everything, so I'm assuming everything in the book is coherent with law. Uh, and is not spoiling anything that's going to come out. I heard. Do me a favor. Disconnect me. I could be reworked, but I'll never be top of the line again. I'd rather be nothing. You sure? Do it for me, Ripley. We are living in sort of an interesting time where Ridley Scott's last film, Alien Covenant, strongly implies that the alien the xenomorph is a relatively new thing and it has only existed for a matter of you know some decades before alien whereas the noah holly series is is going to push back on that and and have aliens at a time period before covenant even takes place and so there's sort of this interesting um push pull in continuity and a, uh. a video game just came out um Alien, Aliens Dark Descent uh, from a, a company in France. Canonical video game, very, very good, that has ancient aliens. It absolutely has the, the return of the space jockey um, and, and aliens coming from thousands of years ago. And it just showed up. And we're all like, wait a minute. You know, because there's been this sense of, oh, don't talk about the aliens being too old because we're still waiting for Ridley to make up his mind or we're waiting for something else to clarify. So... And that doesn't affect your book, but it is interesting that these are interesting times to be writing in for the, for the alien universe because things are kind of in flux. I think that you have to, from a writer's perspective, you can't, it's almost better not to know all of that because it's almost better from my perspective to be hyper-focused on the time period, that time period, the, the geopolitics, the politics of empire, the events of aliens and Italy and three, um, uh, the major players to know more about the recent wars, recent conflicts, um, what the corporations are up to, what Michael Bishop is up to, to, to it, it, the 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 minutia of synthetics in that particular era. I have to know all of that wholly and completely. I did, of course, think about. I do know where in the universe. If there's a mention of Michael Bishop, say in the future, I have to take that into account. I did have to be conscious of of ships, of characters, uh, and to make sure that there was a coherency there, so the, the the ripple effects going to the future didn't upset anything. But the other thing is, again, I've got Clara, I've got this the studio, I've got the publisher. If I do that, they'll say no, no, sorry, you, you can't. So I was quite meticulous about that, but. As I was saying, you just have to be. I, I think if you're going to write a book, you just have to you have to hyper focus on that just that that period of time that you're in, and these broader questions of the history of it all and so forth. It's good to have that knowledge, but you don't want to start second guessing yourself 
you don't want to start having to have pages and pages of um uh, of, of info dumping about the history and then this happened and then but then someone else said this but then there was a new discovery you can't you, you, you don't want to go down that path either i think that's creatively and in terms of writing a in an entertaining novel i think you you could end up getting uh stuck up your own butt we're going to take a break and be right back Are you interested in even more from Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast? We have hundreds of hours of discussion and film reviews just waiting for you to dive into. Go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support and sign up for our Patreon starting at just $4 a month. Your membership will give you access to Framerate, our Patreon-exclusive film review show, and our newly launched Hive Experience, where we cover the Alien Extended Universe, Blade Runner, and beyond. Join us. I have to say that I, I love that Titan, even though it took him a while and the studio, uh, presumably took him a while to kind of go over your manuscript. They doubled down on the alien three portion of it because news flashed fans don't hate that film. Uh, and w- I say that, and we can say that as a show, um, our show on average reaches um, via uh, just in terms of exposure over 50 million people a year. We are in conversations. We are in conversations every day with fans. There are obviously there are fans who do not like alien three, but as time has moved on the admiration for that film, for what Fincher was going for, for the honesty of that story is, is like a city on a hill. And people are appreciating it more and more and more, certainly as, you know, you have someone like David Fincher, who is a a genius of a filmmaker, and it's his first feature-length Hollywood film. Everyone knows this who's listened to the show, but for myself and Patrick, it's our favorite of the the trilogy. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, and I know that Christian loves the film as well, differently than we do, but I, I love it. So I love that your novel picks up at the end, because that's a very tragic, sobering, devastating ending, even though, and it kept Ripley's story honest. So to pick up somewhat after that, I think continues that honesty and that integrity, that this is where the story goes from here. Ripley is gone. She is no longer the centerpiece to her art, to to her story. It's moving on from there. And who makes the most sense? Michael Bishop, Morse, the original Bishop, which to your point, there is so much story that could come from that bishop from Aliens who's been cut hmm. into. What is, you know, what's going on in his head? I mean, there's so much there um, worthy of exploring. And I know that your book does that. So, uh, again, I'm just saying all this to say bravo, not just to you, but to Titan and 20th Century for taking that risk because fans are ready. Fans are ready for that hmm. as we embark on a new era in terms of alien ip in theaters of course which will be alien romulus and then we have a 10-hour show coming from fx which i would imagine will probably premiere sometime in 2025 this is it's it's a great time and i think this book is a great way to kind of spark that next phase because everyone's ready for it ripley think of all we can learn from it's the chance of a lifetime you must let me have it it's a magnificent specimen. Oh, and while I I still carry that initial trauma 
with Alien 3 of seeing Hicks dead and you dead from the go. But to your point, Jamie, I think the ending of that film is fantastic. That that's uh, I'm completely with you on that. Um, and 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 the fact that we can have a their walk. It, he's Michael Bishop's walking out with Robert Morse uh, and the Bishop remains. Well, I mean, if if you want to have an expanded universe, something happens after that. Again, I kind of accidentally fell into this um, this gig, but pretty lucky. Pretty this cat this movie and character I love, and this potential arc over those three movies is very exciting creatively. Just exciting to be and to be part of canon now again, which you don't realize what, what I didn't realize while I was writing it. It's a fantastic opportunity. We'll see. The book's out in a couple of weeks uh, or a week by the time that your 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 listeners um, get onto this. I hope I hope the listeners feel the same. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, I think we can probably start to wrap things up. I'll, I'll hand it to Christian, but uh, I, I definitely know I'm a slow reader. So I've been reading it on my phone because it's the only access that I have for whatever reason I can't do it on my computer. Um, but I definitely think that your writing is really on point. Uh, I, I, I think it's, in, you made some interesting choices in terms of bringing back like relatives of Apone. Um, I, oh, okay. I think you, you, you're definitely able to, put people back in the world of aliens and the, the lingo of aliens and that atmosphere uh, without retreading in some ways. Uh, so I think that that was really interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see what fans have to say, as I'm sure you are, it's probably going to be a little bit of a nail biter in terms of like what people have to say, but uh, the fans are the, the alien fandom is in a really good spot. I think uh, everyone's in a great place post alien covenant where how many years from that now are we, six years from alien covenant. I don't know. Um, uh, from that divisiveness. So I think people are ready for a book like aliens Bishop. I'll tell you, I, I open up the first page, you know, I'm reading it on my phone as well. Cause that's how we had access. And I see, uh, Marcel Apone. And I thought, Oh, he's blown it already. That's not the character's name because my assumption was you're going to give us a flashback. You're going to give us more of those characters. And I, I was about three pages in before I said, wait a minute, none of this is adding up. I go back captain marcel upon younger brother okay all right so thank you for that because i was a little worried yeah i've had one i've had one review from a big fan site and they were very positive and they called it hunt for red october meets aliens i think was their description which is pretty cool uh i did have a couple of people upset that i put a relative in and from my perspective military families are a thing apone is almost the most quintessential marine in the Marines, and I thought it was a no-brainer that he'd have a sibling. Now, whether you want to put him in the novel that close, that's another question, and people can discuss that. But the, the, the line you have to walk that I wanted to walk with aliens is, on the one hand, there are certain expectations from the reader, and yes, meet those expectations. This is, we've got to have Bishop, we've got to have Michael Bishop, we're going to have the Xenomorph. But from my perspective, you've also, you can't just give them what they want you got to give the reader what they don't realise they need. And so the other part of the book is, yes, you've got the familiar, but you've also got the very, very new. You've got characters from places that we haven't explored before. We've got big events that haven't really been fleshed out. Um, we've got the clash of empires as well. So I wanted to strike that balance um, and for for. And so 
between the familiar and the new. Um, I've some people have already. I, I had the one that one reviewer said that Apone was their favorite character in the whole book. I suspect some people are going to yell at me, but I think he's pretty cool. It's not even a metatextual thing, but Apone is questioning what he's doing in your book at certain points. Mm-hmm. He and and so as a reader, I'm going along and saying, yeah, you know, you've just made this very specific choice, and have you really thought about what's motivating you? What what's going on? And so. No, he he belongs there. He does give us that tie. You know, I feel I can picture him because I'm I'm picturing Al Matthews. Uh, especially, I don't know if you know Al Matthews had a, a singing career as well. He was a bit of a crooner, and you can find him on YouTube. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to see, you know, this this decorated uh, um, U.S. Marine uh, on a stage dancing and singing, and he's he's got a good voice. Anyway, though. It's really wonderful in the book because while we have almost the uncanny sensation of um, two versions of Lance Henriksen talking to each other for certain scenes, you know, because you have the two bishops, I think it is good to have one more touch point for the audience of someone that we know in part or, or we share their loss almost. You know, this person has lost their brother. We lost a pawn. And as you had said early on in this interview, that's the amazing thing about aliens is all of those characters catch you and and they live on your imagination and you can't believe it when suddenly half of them are dead in the course of of a one minute battle sequence and i think that you really did capture um that sense of what the colonial marines are like the the camaraderie and the antagonism in some cases but then what i'm loving is that you apply the same thing to both the the Chinese characters and the Vietnamese characters. I had a great sense of who those people were, and that's very new and very fresh. And as a final note, I have one funny uh, anecdote about this. Actually, I have two. First is that, I don't think I got to say this, I was looking, I was reading your book on the phone while my kids were at a trampoline park, and I'm trying to sit in a chair and, and read the book, and I noticed that the chair I'm sitting in is actually uh, for for $7, it'll do a 21-minute uh, chair massage. I thought, oh, that's wonderful. I'm going to get a chair massage. I am shaking. like <laughs> My hands are shaking trying to read the book. <laughs> and luckily, it was a very action-packed moment. So I could just uh, you know apply that uh, <laughs> that sensation to the, the, the ship that was being attacked. Final thing, though, was that the, the situation between the Chinese and the UPP that you capitalized in your book so wonderfully was actually an accident. The Chinese are mentioned in uh, the, the Colonial Marines Technical Manual by Lee Brimacombe Wood as having a whole section of space. It's Chinese, the Chinese arm. And Andrew Gaska, who made the role-playing game, took so much from that book, but he missed that detail when he made the core rule book. And it was only when he went back and made the Colonial Marines Guide that he noticed there was a discrepancy. And he said, oh, I've, I was talking to him about it. And he said, I had to, you know, spur of the moment, come up with a backstory for why there had been this Chinese arm of space, and now that was gone. And so I had, you know, this war, and they were divided up, and and that's how it all played out. And so you saw that and said, well, wait a minute, there's a story there. There's there's this, you know, the the push of empires, and and definitely the sense of we used to have more than we we do now, and we're going to do something about it. And I don't want to spoil the book, but it plays out so wonderfully and organically. And I just thought it was funny because it just came from a slight oversight and a quick correction. So. I did not. I did not know that that fact. It's, but it did occur to me, as you say, that you're not happy if you lose an empire. You know, that's a kind of a big thing, and in fact, it's a ginormous thing that's kind of not touched. So I'm glad I could touch upon that for the book. The geopolitics and the corporate 
especially the corporate intrigue and the and the the intrigue of great powers is always there in the background of the aliens uh, universe. Uh, and I and I think it's important to remember that we're certainly excited to hear what other people have to say about the book, and and we'll definitely be promoting it. And it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been this is my first interview for uh, Bishop, but it's kind of I have to say it's a bit intimidating. I was listening to your other podcasts. I'm like, bloody hell, these guys know a hell of a lot more than me. <laughs> <laughs> Except maybe about Bishop, but everything else, I'm like, oh my god, the encyclopedic knowledge that comes out of your mouths when I'm listening mm. to the to the podcast. Um, how long have you been doing it now? It'll be nine years in February. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I'm very glad you invited me on. It's been great. Well, thank you for coming on. Also, before we leave, uh, can you just remind our listeners when this book is coming out and mm. other other work of yours that's available? I know you talked briefly about that. Okay, so I have a collection called Neon Leviathan, which was came out in 2020. It's a short story collection. My debut, 36 Streets, came out last year. Um, it won all the major Beck Fick Awards in Australia, uh, which was great. Uh, and I've got another novella coming out uh, next year called Ghost of the Neon God. Uh, and that I pitched that as um, Mad Max meets Johnny Mnemonic. But Aliens Bishop, why we're here, the reason we're here is 5th of December is the ebook, and the it comes out in hardback and 12th of December is the audiobook, and the audiobook has a cast of seven, so they've, they've really put a lot of effort into the audiobook. So if that is your preferred method, I suspect it's going to be bloody good. That is awesome. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll be back with another episode of Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. Thanks so much. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.